Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Whether it's infused, ultra premium or everyday essentials, they have the perfect oil for you. Buy in store at all major retailers. It was an educational process putting on the first <laughs> Beyond the Valley. You, you've, so- seen, you've seen the Firefest documentary, <laughs> but I think the main thing that was the huge learning curve was coming out of that at age 20. And, you know, um, you know, we, we suffered a strong, like a big financial loss. Like at that age, and, you know, our company, like, oh, we lost a million dollars in our first year. 20 years of age, and you lost a million dollars on the first festival. We, we didn't have the money. I was still living that, with my mum when I was 20 that, years old. It, so was I. So, yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Dylan Friends. This week on the show, two of my oldest friends, Filippo Palermo and Mike Christides, co-founders of the Untitled Group. Mike and Phil are two absolute legends with incredible stories. At 20 years of age, they ran their first New Year's Eve festival, Beyond the Valley. Now, eight years later, they're regarded as Australia's largest independently owned music and events company. The masterminds behind the much-loved music festivals, Beyond the Valley, Pitch Music and Arts, Wildlands, Grapevine Gathering, For the Love and Ability Fest. Hosting some of the biggest artists around the world, Chance the Rapper, Rufus, Solomon, Tyler the Creator, The Wombats, Skepta, The Kooks, The Presets and many, many more. They've done so much at such a young age and I absolutely admire the way these two go about it. They are pure hustlers that back themselves in. And as mentioned, not only are they hosting some big events, but they're doing some incredible things supporting the music industry in Australia. You'll honestly be in disbelief of some of the stories that these two have. They've done it all and they've got plenty more to come. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast. Many ways I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears. 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 Strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to Man. the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How can this is so meditating? It's like, <laughs> they had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Mike and Phil, welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast, my friends. It's been a long time in the making. I've been trying to get onto you two for a long time, and um, the listeners are in for an absolute treat today. Welcome, firstly, Mike, to you. Thanks, mate. Thanks. It's uh, good to finally be here. Phil. Thank you, Dylan. It's good to uh, <laughs> finally have answered your phone call. <laughs> it's. I kept passing on to Phil. He you two, uh, look, I like to think I'm in demand. You two are the busiest men I've ever met in my life. And I think today we're going to understand why. Um, we've obviously known each other for a long time. I know you're big fans of the show. Yeah which you're not because you had no idea that I was even doing a podcast. I don't I, think when I, I spoke I to you recently. I'm a fan. I'm okay. a fan, yeah. Mike, mate, mate. did I tell you Phil the other day, Mike, I called Mike to come on the show. He said, congratulations, when did you get back from Sydney? I said, two years ago. <laughs> and then he said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, um, he's stumbling. He's never been hit between the eyes. And I said, <laughs> then he goes, oh, well, well, I owe you a congratulations on getting engaged. I said, that was also two years ago. Do, so that was the last do, time do, he spoke then, to me. And then when you promised me on this podcast, you said you'd fucking grill me on here, mate. It'll get you <laughs> Yeah, dude. I, I'll have to get that out of the way. Um, boys, I know, as I said, you know how it works. I like to go back to the start of how I know the guests. And for you two, We've we've known each other for a long time. Okay, probably, long time. Phil, I reckon I've, we've probably known each other since under tens. Yeah, ten yeah. years old. Uh, yeah, ten years old, ten, eleven years old. I would say. Yeah. And Phil, mate, and Mike, maybe I reckon thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, well, I started, started as off as the waterboarding. <laughs> <laughs> so for everyone that listens, <laughs> for everyone that listens to the show, they'd know the infamous story of the best under fifteens 
team in of all, the, time. Of all time. time. Okay. In the world. So they beat the Toby Greens, the, the Jack Vineys, the Tom Mitchells of the world. Two of the illustrious were old players in that team were you two. Yeah. And as you said, you were the water boy. I I can fair say, and I hope you don't take this personally, you weren't there on talent. Oh man. You were there, <laughs> you were you were pure tone setter, yeah. as we'd say. You were setting the tone. The vibe, yeah. You were bringing the vibe. Happy to be here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Phil, you were you were pretty handy. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I do, was pretty angry. Do you remember the because I played, you know, halfback flank. Yeah. And chuck, chuck Mike. Yeah, there. I think I think if we put him in the midfield, it would have been a different result. <laughs> do you remember, my, do you remember that one goal? Like right kicked, like in the, the grand final. Yeah, it's like the one goal. It's like I ran the whole field. Everyone just kept giving it back to me because they're like, holy fuck. And I just put boot to ball. I like the whole team and came and hugged me and I was like, oh, this is the best. I fucking quit now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, I did. Do you, played sport again. <laughs> do you guys look back now? And I, I don't think you would because you've you've absolutely dominated in your own career path but you look back sometimes you see on the footy and you see Toby, Tom Mitchell, Jack Viney running around you go I actually owned them when I was 15 years old yeah yeah I schooled the shit out of them when it, yeah in the under 15's premiership he does let's go back to the start um, you're obviously co-founders of Untitled Group now you run Beyond the Valley Grapevine Festival fucking 15 others that I you know there's so many out there that you're doing nightclubs everything events your talent you do everything and there's much more coming which we'll get into throughout today but how did this start? What was the idea? Oh, it's funny that you mentioned the footy before because uh, uh, shout out to old mate Matt McConnon, our under-15s coach, <laughs> decided, you know what, no, dummy plumbing, I want to buy a bar and bought the infamous suede bar on Smith oh Street, God. which had a lovely basement function room. <laughs> um, and I'll never nice forget- Nice and tucked away yeah, and Yeah, nice hidden. and tucked away and hidden. And DJing was like, you know, the, the cool thing at the time. What was your DJ name? Mashed potato. Mashed potato. Because yeah, I did, yeah, I did mash up, so, you know, yeah. it's fitting. And Because everyone was a DJ, you know, Brock, Brock Matt's son, Brock. Yeah, everyone, Bill, everyone was, yeah. you were a fucking DJ probably I think too. so, for yeah. just a couple of nights. Yeah. I was like, you know what, I'm going to be the promoter. I'm going to be the guy that, like, you know. Has the, has the, like the yeah, water yeah, boy, yeah, yeah. you were then the promoter. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hello, ladies, welcome. Yeah, it's saturated market, the DJ field. Um, I'm going to do something else. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember this, but... um. Yeah, like we were throwing those parties that start off as underages, you know, no alcohol serve, whatever. It weren't too popular. <laughs> and then there was this little thing, is the, the emergence of the fake ID, which yep. I was pretty nifty with. You know, it's a toothpick and a bit of acetone and whatnot. So, um, yeah, we everyone kind of started flaunting the fake IDs and we started throwing those parties in, hidden in the basement and they got more and more popular, more and more popular. And before you know it, there's bloody 317-year-old kids raging in the basement. Um, yeah, sometimes the police would do a walkthrough. Remember, we'd turn the music reel down and everyone would <laughs> and then, and then you know, we'd get the text like, yeah, everyone quite quiet. Police would leave, back on, field slam on it, you know, that kind of thing, and then hands to the floor. So, um, yeah, the parties were doing really well there. And um, then, uh, obviously, there were a lot of big nightclubs at the time, After Dark Social Club and whatnot. And um, it was Dom Dollar and Vedran, yep. good friend of ours. Yes. That gave us our first ever guest list. I'm like, yeah, we want you to promote for us at After Dark. And yeah, but Ro- before, before that, it, even just before we started promoting at After Dark and all these other club nights, I got Mike to, I was like, man, I think uh, I really like this DJ thing. I think I might take it a bit more seriously. Can you make me like a legit fake ID so I can go and play? Right. So, I'm like, so yes, so just for context, you guys at this age are 17. No, 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 16. No, we were 16 at this yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. You push it. I think you were being like. I'm trying to be a bit, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mike, trying, yeah. cut the shit. Okay, cut the shit, like, Mike. Yeah. Saying, okay. Before we go any further, Mike, cut the shit. This is straight up into <laughs> Let's just be real with Dylan. Okay, he knows Dylan. us. Right, okay. I know worse things than this. Okay. <laughs> cool, cool. Let's get it all. Okay. All right. 16 years old, right? And then I asked Mike for a fake ID and I start DJing at a few like Brown Alley and Fashion Keyboard and all these old club nights in Melbourne. And Mike would come and he'd kind of like party with me throughout the night. And 
It was through that I we started. I started DJing for this promoter, Nick Greco, at and he was running a night at Tramp on Tuesdays. It was like a big uni night. Mike's fake ID that he made me ended up getting taken away from me at one club because it was just shit. Yep. Um, <laughs> then I went to an old mate, Toby Hudson, and I I was like, I, I feel like I was kind shit, of part. By the way, you fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I choked at the front yeah, door. Yeah. That's why they were like, "What's uh, this star uh, uh, Seven. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I asked a mate of mine, Toby, for his ID. He gave it to me, and I. It, worked brilliantly got me into tramp and i told nick that i'd start djing for him and he thought my name was toby for probably you know a couple of years two years passed we, we like get to the age of 18 and mike mike's promoting at the club by then and we're kind of like entering that schoolies phase and we're about to do a bunch of muck-up parties and we go to nick well at first i'm like by the way my name's not toby sorry about like well actually what happened was nick <laughs> so we didn't just do it on our own accord nick's like I fucking love working with you guys. He's now our business partner in Untitled, by the way. Yeah. The last seven <laughs> yeah. Years. So, so. He goes, love working with you guys. We're smashing these pens down markup parties. Let's open a nightclub together. Like, let's do it in a few weeks or in a month or whatever. We're both still in year 12. Yeah. And we go, fuck. All right, look, Nick. The gig's up. The gig's yeah. up. <laughs> Toby's name's actually Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not nine, I'm not, I'm not 20. I just turned 18. Yeah. And credit to him, he laughed and he goes, you guys get through year 12 let's launch the club next year and we can do it all properly and whatnot. And so he did, he Nick waited. Um, and then we brought on with the, the launch of Treehouse, we brought on a new, uh, you know, well, you know other business partners, uh, Christian Soraya. Yep. Uh, and then the fifth member of Untitled Tom Core, so uh, for, for the launcher anyway. But um, yeah, credit to Nick. Uh, when he found that out, he was like, I, you know, I respect that. And um, yeah, we, 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 we got, got thrust from being underage, kind of just party throwers and whatnot. We threw a few parties at the Royal Derby Hotel, which was great. Um, but into launching Treehouse, which was a huge next step for us. Massive first step. Yeah. Anyone at the age, I reckon, born around that 90, 93, 94, 92, mm. it, if you and you lived in Melbourne, if you hadn't heard of Treehouse Nightclub, you well, there's Treehouse and Club Soda. They were like the two, the two. bouncing back yeah. and forward, and um, it was just a great era of, of I think dance music as well. Like you know, like Sam One More and Tonight Only, and yeah, and that. But then it, it took after after Treehouse, we got our real big opportunity through the Palace Theatre, which yep. like used to be known as the Metro, and it's like our parents used to go on night. Infamous for yeah, like massive party spots. Yeah. yeah, 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 yes, yeah. and that too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they closed down for a while and then the owners were looking for someone to come in and relaunch it as a, a like a club night. So we kind of, we got a pretty lucky opportunity there, broke it a deal, moved in, we're running every single Saturday. And then that's where we kind of developed this new dance music culture that we were listening to on the radio on Triple oh, J. You look, at, you look at the launch weeks of anyway, you know, we launched with Alice in Wonderland, Peking Duck, Parachute Youth, uh, Rufus Did Set, Dom Dollar. Features, Dom Dollar, you know, and you look at all those artists where they are now and it's great that we still work with, the, with all of them and good friends with a lot of them. And, yeah. and it's great that as we've rose, you know, look at where their well. careers have gone and, you know, I think and the greatest story of it is like Rufus headlined the first Beyond the Valley. They took a punt. We'll get to that in a second because we're jumping forward, but mm. from headlining the first BTV, to now headlining the the last BTV and selling out instantly twenty five thousand tickets, like it as the band grows, the festival and stuff grows with it. So it's a it's a really good thing. Um, but but back to like air launching anyway, <laughs> that was probably the um, that was probably like the, the next big elevation because 
Treehouse was doing about 1,000, 1,500 people a week and it was still young part, party club culture. Anyway, was where we really need to realize we have to have systems and protocol and we have to really look at this as a pro- start, start to like run a business. Run yeah. a business, yeah. yeah. But, Which, but put this into context as well. Like you, you, you are just so confident with this and you're telling a story like anyone could do it. You're 19, 18, 19 at this age. Yeah. Everyone else that does this is like 30, 40 years old and has been doing it for years. I think that was one of our advantages. Though. You know, yeah, because like we, we actually, knew the audience. Yeah, yeah we knew the audience. We knew what kids wanted to listen to. I find we, you outside most weeks. Yeah, dog. Yeah, 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 I was the guy that like I have, and not because of anything, but I hated lining up. Yeah. So I was always just calling you to straight out the front being like, please just let me slide through these yeah, doors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, was at its peak, like the, the, fuck, the lines, like the, the, the reason why it also got a lot of like um, attention at the start was um, we needed like 3,000 people to fill the place. So like, let's go ham on promoting it in that. About 6,000 people rocked up to the launch night. And when everyone got told that it's full capacity, they all the lines started wrapping around. Yeah. They started just storming the door. So the riot police actually got called down, shut off the front of the door, <laughs> shut off the front of the doors, and everybody spilled around the front. We got this amazing photo, like the Studio Fifty Four Club in New York, like just people spilled around the front of a theater. It was such a mess because we're all eighteen years old, and we're like, it, we're kind of trying to celebrate it as well because we've worked so hard up until this point, engaging crew, booking Alice in Wonderland, and like the next few weeks of Phil actually himself. did the, the visuals himself. He did a he did a Justice We Are Your Friends, and he was on his thing going we. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your friend. That, that was like the peak of production at that, that, that fucking era. So, um, yeah, I just remember we we had no idea what to do with the situation, and the venue just took over. We would we were all pretty wasted and enjoying the night, and then the riot police rocked up, and we were like, I kind of felt like that kid from Project X. Yes, like I fucked up. Like <laughs> my parents had rocked up, and the cops were here. The riot police was here, and like shit, what do I do now? But yeah, it after that week, it was kind of. It started to like, it simmered to a healthy point where we were doing 3000 people turnover across like 10 PM all the way through to 5 AM. And it was, it was, yeah, Melbourne's biggest weekly club night. It was probably Australia's biggest club night yeah, well, at the time actually. And, then, and unfortunately, just because the, the actual building itself was sold to developers, we had to close down. And so mm. we, at our peak, we ran the last of our event at the palace, which was a really kind of monumental time, I guess, in Australian music history. Like so many great bands played there. Um, we had to throw the last event, but in the buildup of that, what we realized is there's a really good culture of brewing around dance music. Mm. And, you know, we were going to festivals. We we're going to every festival at that time. I think, you know, the big day out, future music, Serasonic. Mm. We used to go to them all every year, didn't we? Yeah, right. yeah the every first year. festival we went to was big day out together. We went to big day out. I think we saw the Ting Tings. We saw Luke Fiasco. Cut Copy. Did you guys go yeah. to the Chili Peppers? And, chili Peppers. And yeah, 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 yeah. I can't believe I didn't yeah. go to that. So, yeah. and, and even, you know, not that we're proud of these moments, but I think it shaped us as, as who we are when we were younger, you know, some of the concerts we used to go to and, and somehow illegally get into at, at, at a younger age. <laughs> it's, it's very funny. You know, I think, I think perspective is everything. Like, yeah. you, know, you look at some of the stuff you used to do when you're young, you know, body graffiti or whatever. <laughs> 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 you're like, right. You, you look at some of those things like, you know, and as you grow through life and you emerge and you realize, shit, I'm sitting on the other side of that fence, literally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you realize that, you know, you are stealing this someone's business and, so on, and, and they have to put extra measures, extra fencing, yeah. extra security. Yeah, but unfair. I think at the, at the same time, considering that we went through those motions as kids, fence jumping and like, you know, just rocking up at parties and trying yeah. to sneak our, our way in underage. I've kind of got a little bit of respect for the ones that get through. So don't jump beyond the valley, but if you do. But if you do, it's a creative way. I got a sideswipe to a story here. Pitch Festival, we love to dress up at. 
Phil's dressed up in his sheriff outfit. And <laughs> Phil loves like it was, getting it. Was, Phil, it, was, Phil, it was like a, um, what's that American kind sure, of like deputy, cliche? You know? Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Cooper Phil, Trooper. Phil, Phil, Phil's got a respect for them, but he'll he like he'll get them. Like he'll yeah. get them. So these guys are running through the field, fence jump the festival, and Phil sees him. He's like, oh, we're on. Sprinting after the kid, and the kid's running through the crowd. And Phil gets him, tackles him to the ground, and then gets him, grabs his hands, and I'm like, oh my God, Phil. Like, look what you're wearing. And he realizes he's in the cop outfit. So he gets the, he gets, he gets the fake handcuffs to like, cuffs the guy. The guy's squirming, and Phil's grabbing, and Phil's like- Hand him over to security. Yeah. I was like, mate, you know you're meant to have a ticket. Yeah. And he was like, he literally looked at me and was like, what are you meant to be a fucking police yeah, officer? Yeah. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were a punter here. You're dressed up. Like yeah. some people don't, but uh, we'll get into that later again about being dressed up and uh, people not taking you seriously. Your festival. Like, Mate, this is my, this is my event. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, who the hell is going to think that these like young Actually, kids are hosting, are hosting pitch, these events? Pitches yeah. are funny though, because we can, um, everyone, there's a dress up culture there. You know, it's like, oh, we'll, we'll let a bit loose and dress up. Phil and I had this great idea one year. We're like, all right, this year, stormtroopers. You and me, we dress up as stormtroopers. <laughs> oh and we're going to fucking get into the crowd. Oh my God. We get, Phil comes back to my van and he's like, Mike, stormtroopers. Okay, great. All our friends are dressing us. It took us 45 minutes because it's all the arm, all the shield. There was but, like a like a, a an underlayer of like latex that has gone. Dude, yeah. The whole thing. By the end of it, Phil goes, all right, come on, go. Chuck the helmet on. Chuck the helmet on. And, and Phil... But, <laughs> <laughs> we're both hey, we get to that moment and it's like everything we're finally 40 minutes in everything's on the helmets come on you can't see shit and we're like all right let's go opposite directions Phil and we had to, no Phil, idea Phil goes each, to one each stage, of us i go to the other stage each of us thought that the other person was right behind them so i'm like you, i just start <laughs> marching towards stage one he's marching towards stage three and we both think that each other are behind us and it's just like so, so, so next minute, next minute, we're both at a stage popping our helmet off, going, "Anyone seen another stormtrooper here? Anyone seen <laughs> another stormtrooper here?" And two lone rangers and, and stages. Everyone's like, like, "Fuck no, like Jesus!" So, I'm walking back to the campsite. I'm like, "All right, I at least got to do like, I at least got to you know, make some use out of this stormtrooper thing. We'll supply this to your post show as well." Yeah. There's a police car, then I'm like, "All right, I'll just you know pop a squat, you know, get a thing." So I jump onto the police car to get a photo, but the arm is so heavy that it goes like. <laughs> and the cops come out and like, oi. So before you know it now, I'm a, I'm a stormtrooper. I'm dressed in a stormtrooper at my own I festival. Mean, own the best running from the fucking police. I'm like, oh my God. I had to quickly like duck a corner. Like, you know. Well, he can back to the caravan. I'm sitting there just defeated and sweating. Sweaty from and he suit. gets there and he sprints there and he pulls up and he's like, like looking around. He's like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like obviously someone's chasing him. And I'm like, dude, what the hell happened? And he's like, I don't know, but I just got chased by police. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, there's some of those moments, some of those like, right, I'm, I'm sure there's plenty, plenty of those moments and knowing you two, they won't be stopping either. Let's go back though. Talk me through that moment where you're going from being the biggest club promoters in, in Melbourne to going, all right, fuck, how are we actually going to start a festival called Beyond the Valley? So uh, through anyway, we developed, um, great relationships with a lot of the emerging talent agencies in Australia and personal relationships with a lot of the artists like Golden Features, Rufus, um, Dom Dollar. <clears throat> and we kind of, we saw a bit of a gap in the market because Mike and I had both attended Falls Festival before. And um, yeah, it was like you had Falls Festival and Let The Meet Cake both It's a different market. niche. It's yeah. a different niche. Yeah. And we had cultivated this new era of dance music culture, which was very, it was very entrenched in Triple J and 
we kind of thought, what if we combine something which was live music, hip hop, we brought on that dance music element, that local dance music culture that we had yeah. um, brought up through anyway, and then introduce a bit of European house and techno music, which was kind of starting to, um, you know, position itself in Melbourne as a bit of an underground. So niche. who are we talking about there? What, what sort of? So like um, the first year was Clapdome, Pleasure Crafts, um, Thomas Jack, Kant and stuff. And now a more modern era, we're, you know, we've been booking the likes of Peggy Goo, Honey Dijon, Dennis Salter, Solomon. So back then we, it was kind of this mix match. And I think to a lot of people, it didn't make sense. And then you see an artist like Kay Trinata on there, who's an extremely talented hip hop producer and electronic producer. And it, it just, it, it worked in the end. Rufus DeSoul headlined the festival and it was, um, it was a an ex, it was an educational process putting on the first beyond the valley because you've, so you've seen the Firefest documentary, <laughs> yeah. They, so give context to what this documentary is for someone who hasn't seen it. Yeah, what's Fire Festival? Fire Festival is a famous festival in the Caribbean where everybody arrived. The festival organizer had no idea what they're doing, so they yeah, arrived. One of the festival organizers organ, organizers is now was Jarul. So yeah, I think oh, and the other I think, I think it was all right. and the other organizers now the other organizers now in jail because <laughs> five festival because they yeah they, they had nothing on it and the, the organizers were like putting their hands in there like oh, sorry no 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 and yeah. everyone's stuck in the Bahamas like that gave us anxiety like PTSD of Beyond the Valley year year one. Um, year one, so this, you're saying five uh, beyond the no, valley. No, year no, one no, was no. not not like that, but it was there was but just behind, you were underprepared behind the behind scenes. The scenes it was like yeah. that, but somehow it you was seamless by. to the, uh, to most punters. Yeah. The the reason why we moved from that site was you, you think in theory when you go to a site visit. Now, like we're a lot more experienced in that field, but you go to a site and it was kind of on a cliff face, and we just like fuck beautiful ocean. Mm. It's this nice cliff face area. It's all flat, beautiful green grass. And when it comes to game day, there are people chasing their tents down fucking laneways yeah. because it's wind. so windy. Yeah. And then we've got someone from the EPA standing there and the council with a um, like a wind monitor reader saying like once you hit gusts of 80 to 90 kilometers per hour your main stage has to come down and we were just like that was the first scar of several that happened across the whole weekend that we walked away being like do we even want to do camping festivals anymore but we'd worked so hard to get it done and there was a lot of contractors that were kind of taking us for a ride and um, you know, effectively taking kickbacks oh, yeah, financially. We, yeah. we, we were young. We were young kids. How old are you? How old are you at this stage? We were twenty. Twenty when twenty we years old. Yeah, and tw like put that into context. You're twenty years old. There's been a festival dominating for years called Falls Festival, and you are rivaling that now. At twenty years of age, you start a festival to go head to head against. Not against. You're not competing. Yeah, it's a different that's, festival, that's, but think, it's fuck. It's actually yeah, ridiculous. That's, that's the great thing about like I guess the, the music industry as a whole is you want to kind of like you know everyone wants to kind of carve out their own niche and, and see the whole industry grow as a whole. And what we thought was, yeah, we, we provide a more dance focused electronic alternative to, you know, Falls Festival, which still has now some of the biggest bands and artists playing in the world. But at that point we carved out our niche and we're like, yep, let's go for it. And I guess when I spoke of the whole thing about the, the, the fire festival thing, I mean, that was just referencing the, the chaos of learning of all, along the way. Like you, you can't anticipate all these things and the extra fencing and the extra this and the security and the measures and, and that, that first year was such a big learning curve, but I think the main thing that was the huge learning curve was coming out of that at age 20 and, you know, um, 
you know, we, we suffered a strong, like a big financial loss, like at that age. And, you know, our company, like oh, we lost a million dollars in our first year. 20 years of age and you lost a million dollars on the first festival. We, we didn't have the money. Yeah. So, so we're, we're, we're 20 years of age. Like <laughs> I'm laughing, parents, but that's fucked. Yeah, no, it is it, like oh, at when, the time. When we said we didn't have the money, we weren't backed by anybody. We didn't have a bank. We didn't have a external investor. It was all of the money that we'd saved in the club and then credit to like, like particularly my family, Phil's family, all our families and sisters. and Well, even, even with that, like, our families weren't necessarily like super wealthy. So they yeah. like chipped in a little bit yeah. to help kind of like lessen the blow, but there yeah. was nothing that could like, you know, completely get us by. So we kind of had to pick up the phone and call the suppliers, call talent, um, you know, talent reps and everything and say, look, we're going to roll the dice again on year two. Um, we are so confident that this is, this festival is going to be an institution. It's going to be, you know, have a cult following and we're going to sell out just for context the first year of beyond the valley we sold seven thousand tickets what's capacity capacity uh, oh, it's, it's, it's about of, how how big you can build it because with more people you take on more infrastructure more right. risk. Uh, on, okay. on that side at the phillip island side it was roughly fifteen thousand. and then after all the um the weather issues we moved the following year to Larder park mm -hmm. so year two of the festival and we were behind the scenes booking the lineup and we confirmed kind of like our three, the three artists that we wanted most. Uh, there was one that we missed out on, which was Disclosure, but the, they were Jamie XX, Skepta and Flight Facilities. And we, that's when we were like, okay, we got this. Like this is a hundred percent. But still, but still it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a tough thing when you're sitting there, you've just lost a million dollars. You're like, but the festival is great. Everyone loved it. The reviews online are great. But to go again, you need to double down. You need to- You could lose another million you know, dollars and then it. we'd be bankrupt. Yeah. Oh, we'd be living in Mexico. But that's what I love, man. I love, and this is, and I'm not surprised by this because I've known you guys for years and we've we've done these things together and I know how you work. But I, I think that's why before I said I admired what you guys have done and in a way it's inspired me because so many people, so many people are like what if people and they might examine every single situation and they go, oh, but I've got to do this, I've got to do that. But- I just love people who just go, fuck this, I'm going to do it and just see what happens. And and that's honestly what you did. 20 years of age, you start this festival, it was a success. You've you've made 15 million mistakes at, probably at that first one. Yeah, You've lost a million dollars, but then you double down and go, fuck it, let's do it again. Learn from everything that we've made a mistake from mm. and benefit from it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. And it, every year is a constant learning curve and we felt like we've like- You're 20. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, we're 20. I think that- I was still of, living that, with my mum when I was 20 that, years old. It, so was I. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that was the worst part. was the worst part. Like being like, I, I only just moved out the second year of Beyond the West. So the first year after that, and they go, so oh, how was the wrap up to the festival? You're just walking, like, eating walking, breakfast yeah, at yeah, mum and dad. mum in the eye and be like, yeah, great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're sweet for year two, mum. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing is we needed money to bankroll the second year. And we like, we didn't have any funding or anything. We just got a lot of artists- uh, there were a lot of a lot of the locals just had our back and then uh, we we like ran the club for another year to just kind of like find the funds to be able to bankroll the event then we announced and before trust me we we had a lot of those what what if oh, moments yeah. we were just like what if this happened what if, what if that happens but when you're 20 years old there's an there's a sentiment of just you know Fuck being it. naive yeah and, the best. And, and not yeah it kind of it plays a being foolish kind of played a role in the you know commercial success of the festival moving forward so we rolled the dice we went again and i think it was the, like securing those three artists that the main one it was flight facilities right us right after they released down to earth and jamie xx after he released in color which is to Massive. date one of the most 
you know, popular records all your, time. One of your favorite records. Yeah, and, and probably one of my, Skepta my is probably one of my favorite artists oh, of all time. Yeah. So he's also one of the, probably the best artists we've hosted, like in terms of just willing to just hang out. Like we played Django. Played Django with Nintendo him. And he's just happy to hang out, man. Yeah. Just, how, like, I, I just have so many fucking questions like this. How do you even, what's the first step of actually booking a talent? Like, how do you even go about that? And how do they actually take you seriously when you're like, you're 20? Was there people like there's this, this, Question is multi-pronged and take it wherever you want it. You're 20 years old. How do people take you seriously? How do you actually go and email someone and say, hey, we want you at our festival? Mm. What are the discussions like? How does it work? A lot of like credit to our business partner, Nick Greco, that a lot of, he kind of, he, um, that's one of his biggest responsibilities um, is booking the talent. And we worked collectively at that stage and and kind of booking separate artists and stuff, but he built it all together and uh, to date, he pretty much manages the whole process, except and Mike. Mike steps in for some personal relationships, like with Rufus to Soul and stuff like that. But that that year, I just remember we secured all three. We decided to roll the dice. We went on sale, and on the first day of year one, we sold four hundred tickets. The first day of year two, we sold five thousand. And that moment in the room, like we were all in the office, and we were like, "Okay, we're gonna do this." as a career like this is going to be us yeah. for the rest of our lives or however long we can do it for we, we'd always crave this this feeling like it was funny like our business goal we'd see falls festival go up and sell out instantly you know what it was like you'd have to go into a ballot and and you know uh sell out instantly and people would be fighting for tickets and whatnot um we always crave this feeling of just selling out the instant sellout knowing that the security is there our job's done yet we've done a good job and Year two was good that we kind of had that spike, but um, it was just the the final, uh, the last uh, iteration of Beyond the Value 2019 that we did was we sold out in minutes, 25,000 tickets. And that feeling of like just seeing all the traffic go online, all the tickets pulling and you're like, is this actually happening? Like that's, and yeah, we finally achieved that. So that yeah, was, that was six, six years of work to yeah. get it to that point where it would sell out instantly. And, and, I, and I think a big thing that was the result of that um, was not just, you know, Beyond the Valley over the years, we've really found its feet as to what it is. And, and it's much more than just booking the right artists. It's building the right festival, having the right art installations, the stage designs, the food, the, everything that we kind of build together, we've really built the culture around it. And mm. my favorite thing is um, seeing kids one year that like will come up, will come up to me and be like, oh, mate. And they got six years oh, of, of wristbands on, yeah. like on, and I'm like, "Wow, you've you should shower." <laughs> <laughs> but, That's massive, man. Yeah, that must be hard because, yeah, it's great to see that kids have grown up going to these festivals now, and it's that next step wave of culture and whatnot. And you see, there's so many great new festivals popping up. Like, look what you know, everything that we reference, Future Music, Stereosonic, Big Day Out, they all came and went because there was a big shift away from large scale festivals waiting in line, paying. 15 bucks for a shitty drink or whatnot. Now there's a, a lot more of a shift towards quality events and there's so many great events that mm. are, that fill this landscape right now. And we're happy to be part of that. Mm. Yeah. No, and you're absolutely dominating it, which will, which will definitely uh, go into a bit more, but talk us through some of the artists that you've, you've worked with and the biggest ones that you've, you know, sort of had throughout the time. Um, there's been obviously multiple, who are some of your favorites? Who are some of the biggest ones you've, you've dealt with? On a, on a personal level, I would say, Rufus and Dom Dollar, just because we're we're such close friends with them, and yeah. they're just like such great stand up guys and just amazing musicians as well. Like they're they're masters of their craft, and they they put so much dedication into their work. But outside of that, it, there's been like a few along the way that we um, 
you know, it, it's very surreal working with or hanging out with the artists that we kind of, you know, seven, eight years ago, we would like kind of aspire to book and yeah. we would watch a lot of their live performances on YouTube or their boiler room videos and whatnot. And I think oh. through, through like starting festival properties like pitch and grapevine and, and then, um, you know, one of the biggest reasons that we didn't mention before that beyond the Valley works as a festival and as a big lineup now, um, so seamlessly is no artist is going to come to Australia for just one show because we're so far away. Yep. If you're going to, if you're, you're an American hip hop artist or a European DJ, you're going to want to come here for four to five shows and then get out for it to be, you know, commercially viable. So I think two, yeah, two years ago, I, I always skip 2020 cause it's like a year that didn't exist in our I, market. I don't remember it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, um, we launched wildlands festival, which was something that Mike, um, completely project managed himself. Um, that um having that like extra leg to bolster the tour is what you know got us tyler the creator and rufus to soul to headline the festival and i think wildlands is a single day event up in brisbane by the way so after a, after new year's uh so it, it's just before beyond the Valley. so basically when the uh, artists come to town so for example tyler the creator um when he's coming to the country he's like well i'm not just going to do beyond the valley i want to do all these other things yep. so You'll start at Wildlands, play to 30,000 people there, come to Beyond the Valley, play for us, go to Lost Paradise in Sydney, fly over to Perth, then come back for field day, then add on New Zealand. So we work in with a lot of our sister festivals. Awesome. Um, and as we've grown, we've started to realize that, you know, if there's not the right property in a, in a, in a, in a uh, segment around the country, we'll expand and, and create that ourselves. So we've got our eyes on a few more uh, spots around Australia and popping up some few, few events at the end of the Unbelievable. year. Unbelievable. So, but, um, but going back to like... Uh, the, the surreal the, the artists and you, you, you touched on like surreal artists that you've grown up with i think we went to our first ever we did live music concert together yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. all of us yeah, I was there as well. yeah we all went to yeah. we did we all went to the presets um and for me man like even you know like at that time they were big but even as my life's gone on they've gotten bigger like people say uh music uh so hearing and scent are the two f uh fondest fondest They're the two strongest forms of memory so like, you know, when you, um, you listen to something and it just brings back an instantaneous memory yeah, of yeah, something that you, you did. And like, that's for the presets for me. It brings back that time when we were like 15 years old, going to these concerts, drinking, drinking, you know, pul drinking pulses. pulses, having, um, nearly having cardiac arrest, <laughs> <Yeah>. like jumping, <laughs> sweating to the, to the presets yeah. and. Fuck, I man. distinctly remember black leather chucks, white oversized teeth, <laughs> bad straightened hair. <laughs> Uh, I think it looks good. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, yeah. So, uh, and you know, this is great because we all get very involved. We're all very passionate about our brands and the lineups and we get really involved in like who we book as our headliners and the presets came up and Phil and I, hundred percent. And, and, and we were a bit worried that our, um, uh, our audience at the time was a bit, yeah, yeah, you know, the audience was 18 to 21 year olds and the presets weren't actually on cycle at that point. Mm. And we're like, no, nah, we're going to put a new year's Eve countdown it's going to be great. It's going to be best. It's, I think it's one of our favorite countdowns, you know, there. Yeah, yeah. It was one of our favorites. And, sure. um, and, um, it was so surreal. They bring in the new years. I'm standing there next to my brother, taking my radio off. I'm not working anymore. I'm like, yep. I'm like, I gotta go tell them how fucking amazing that was. And the theme that year was, uh, pink, pink for new years. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so me and my brother, we, we, we just walk up the hill and run to their dressing room. I grab a bottle of champagne, I smash down the door and I'm like, Hey guys, I'm Mike. I'm, I'm the owner of the festival. Just want to say. Bear, bear in mind by this point, he's lost his radio. He's yeah, lost so, his so accreditation. Lanyard, lanyard radio all off. All gone. Yeah. Like, it, <laughs> he, he doesn't even know where they are. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> me and my brother go in there, pop a bottle of champagne, toast, yeah, to, you know, to have a year. 
everything's great. And I'm like, I just want to say it's so surreal that you were the first concert I ever have. And it's an honor to have you bring in the new year. That was the best news ever. Thanks, mate. And then everything is kind of getting a bit weird. And I'm like, why, why, is, why are all the extra people in the room being a bit standoffish? I'm like, anyway, guys, you have a good night. I'm going to leave. Walk out the door with my brother. And I look at my brother and he's in a pink cowboy hat, pink fluffy glasses, <laughs> a nighty and whatnot, and like glitter on his chest. And I go, I look at myself. I'm a, I'm, I'm a dressing mess. I'm like, fuck, we just kicked that door in. <laughs> <laughs> Covered in pink. Like, hey, mate, I own the festival. <laughs> the <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, oh, God. Dealing- yeah, I, actually, I actually saw them at one of our, because we've booked them since. I saw them at one of our other events. And of course, I was just very formal. Like, hey, Michael, oh, we met that other year. Yeah. <laughs> probably, don't remember, probably don't remember. What other um, artists have been the best to deal with, you know, get along with and enjoy. Um, have done, uh, time. Dennis Salter. Dennis, Dennis Salter is definitely the, the funnest like artist that we've had. Just and we love having him here because he, he stays here for like a few weeks and just laps up the country. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monty, one of our employees, um, took him to Hillsville Sanctuary and he just spent like full nine hours there. He's like, oh my God, I got all the fluffy animals and yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, um, he's just a joy of life. Like those people that you meet that are genuinely like, Hey, I've come from the other side of the world, from my hometown, to play my fans of music, and you're making that happen. So I'm so appreciative for yeah. that. And they mm-hmm. just lap up everything. And um, they're the people that we we want to bring back, and and they really connect with our audiences. And it's so great when you see fans come up to them and they want photos after the show. And there's people that are really open to that because some artists get worn out, and some artists don't don't want to always do you know mm-hmm. the, you know meet the promoter or meet their fans or do press or whatnot because it's it's a tough life, you mm. know, touring around all the time, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like we, there's the artists that we've had such a huge pleasure of hanging out with and have had such a good time with. And those that even knowing our interactions have been very brief and, you know, not much has been said. It's all, it's been such a surreal moment just being in the same room as them having a one. Who were some of those people you'd say? Uh, I mean, like Chance the Rapper, um, Stormzy. Uh, Jamie XX. Jamie XX. Jamie XX. It was in, he, he's kind of like a music because uh, I'm also a musician as well, and mm-hmm. he he was like he's probably got to be one of my like greatest creative idols of all time. And meeting him, it was, um, you know, he was very um to himself and very you know um conservative or like, very conservative yeah. yeah which i think is like a common trait in you know um really talented musicians and um just just that like he, he just said yeah thanks for having me at your festival it's like it looks like a cool party man thank you and just that short like encounter for us is something which is quite surreal the kooks i got i was the, gonna say i got one for your deal like we've got the the top 10 like the top 10 list i have to tick off one day and like I've, we've got to book the chili peppers or something oh 100 but the kooks was on that list and like being able to tick them off was a surreal moment that's unreal and meeting the kooks and phil got them to sign yeah the well, seaside did they play seaside yeah. that makes me cry that's yeah, 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 yeah. want naive. to go to the seaside yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, um no keep going no, no, no <laughs> that is a grouse. But when Who, Mike, yeah. My mic was um like Me? Um yeah, you. When you were on the dance floor, I just remember I, I knew what time they were arriving and everything, and I went grabbed this record vinyl that I had bought for him of their greatest hits, and then I took it to them and I was like, my business partner who like one of the promoters for this festival, he's obsessed with you guys and he's the main reason that we booked you. Yeah, I would love it if you could sign the record. And they were like, mate, we'd fucking love to. Like, yeah. when can we meet this guy? Yeah. I'm like, he's on the dance floor right now. I, I will have no chance located yeah. because his radio is off. But uh, you might bump into him. I'm surprised, Mike, the one band that uh, maybe the number one on your list and you just can't nail them yet is Panic at the Disco. <laughs> 
Mike, I've never seen someone listen to nine in the afternoon or whatever that song. Hold on, back to the streets. Are you watching me on Spotify? Are you seeing? Man, I love that song. Panic at the Disco. I'm just wondering how you've stayed up to date, Dill. No one knows about my Panic at the Disco obsession, but that album, A Fever You Can't Sweat Out. I know word for word and I listen to it probably once a month. It's a great album. It's, man, it's so good. It's <laughs> it so is. fucking good. Yeah. Um, who's on the top 10 list? Oh, and who have you ticked off? I don't know if we can get our secrets. Away. Okay. Oh, but, the Wombats, um, we've ticked them off. Oh, uh, Tyler, Tyler, the creator was on that list. Yeah. Rufus, that, for me, that, that was a, probably the biggest yeah. one that we had ticked off. Rufus to Soul, uh, we've got to tick those off. Um, yeah, probably like um, nostalgic bands. Like, I mean, like, obviously uh, our favorite band in the world. Uh, I'm saying this still, but you know, the Killers. Oh, yeah, 100%. yeah. Uh, but we, how many? How many? I, we went to probably. Well, I definitely went to one with you guys with Killers. I've probably yeah, seen them yeah. twice live. Oh, we we saw them when we were in Vegas. Vegas, like four or five years ago. It was it was like the night of the the day before my birthday. We were in Las Vegas, and we still hadn't organized anything to do. And I was like, I'm in Vegas, and it's my birthday tomorrow, and I haven't organized shit. And I'm just kind of like scrolling through StubHub on my phone, and then I see the Killers live, and Team this Mobile. is a band that I didn't even know was playing live anymore one of my favorite bands of all time t-mobile arena like arena launch, launch night yeah. and we went there and it was just us two and it was so fucking good unbelievable man yeah. they are so good live the one song that i would want to see them play and i have seen them play live but i'd love to see it again is the sam's town abbey road version yeah yeah yeah, yeah. like that if I you haven't heard that song it. please listen to that that's that, that's a special song that's you know that really reminds me of massa who's one of our our mates that, that passed away um way too soon and whenever yeah. i listen to that song that was i've got a video of us singing that in the car together like a week before he you know he passed away which is it's just I, really and special I, I actually i went and visited his folks a few weeks back and um we i used to burn his cds for that car yeah. the love bug cds yeah, yeah. And we just put that, I'm like, what is this CD? I put it in, I'm like, what did I put on this? And just the first song. Is that it? Yeah, it's Sam's wow. so It was in his car, so if I can put it, would have been that CD. Yeah. Crazy, crazy. Um, funny dealings with artists. Like, obviously, they're probably some crazy people out there that, you know, they're good for a reason, but they're probably quite strange. Have you had any really funny dealings with with specific ones? Or have they made any, like, really crazy requests that they need? Um, yeah. Yeah, at the, it's at always the festival. A, always on the in quite a professional format as well. That artist writer, so we, like we get handed a, a technical and a hospitality writer from every single artist, mm-hmm. and it's like all the tech requirements in terms of the backline and gear that they're bringing on stage, what lighting requirements they have, what they expect the sound system you know to be at in terms of a decibel limit, um, stage size as well, um, and capabilities, and then the hospital writer is always ridiculous, like. There was one artist, I think it was um, Dylan Francis, asked for a human life size uh, cardboard cutout of Steven Seagal to be in his dressing room <laughs> upon arrival. Then there was um, a couple of artists who can't be named, but always just like weed. Yes, asked for all the time. Weeds, as in like, as in the stuff that you find in your garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's weird. Why would they want that? Yeah, they say like local um, herbiculture grass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the way that they're it is always you know, heard. Like, yeah. um, there's been, there's been artists that won't get on stage unless some of that stuff is delivered. Like, there was an artist that we booked four years ago in the dance tent at Beyond the Valley, and he wanted a specific type of tequila. 
Um, and we were like, <laughs> it's funny going through the hospital riders, like Nick, um, our partner always is just like crosses shit off. Like the, it's nobody's business. Like yeah. not nah, too expensive. No, 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 no. Crossing all this ridiculous stuff off. Nowhere going to get you five plain white t-shirts and five black plain t-shirts and like why do you need five why do you need five do you need one like and no you can't have a deck of uno cards like yeah it just like crosses off all this shit just gives them the stuff that they actually need and there was like this specific bottle of tequila that this artist needed he crossed it off and then he said to katie our artist services manager um who handles all the hospital requests get the cheap shit so she brought the cheap shit I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say cheap shit. He said, just, just get him a night. Yeah, get him, get him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, well, okay, okay, compared to the bottle that he actually oh, yeah, wanted, yeah. it was like $600. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we gave it to him. He said, I'm not getting on stage until my actual tequila is delivered. We tried to negotiate with him. He was like, nah, this is, he must have just really liked the tequila. Yeah. yeah. So, Katie, we, we ended up having to spend even more money because we got him like this $150 bottle of tequila. Then Katie had to go back into like, town in Warrigal on New Year's Eve on New Year's Eve find this bottle of $500 tequila bring it back to site right as he was about to get on stage he's just standing there behind the actual console itself and then she hands it to him and he's like okay thank you and he just walks up and he plays unbelievable <laughs> I, I heard a little analogy about this a while ago the reason I asked is because so there was a band back in the day called Van Halen Okay. Yeah. Massive band. Okay. Mm. Our, our parents would have probably loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah and no they were saying they were the, the biggest band ever. They had these massive crowds and they were like, they were so particular on the way that they wanted their music to, to happen and the experience to be what they wanted that they were like, if we go to these, these festivals and it's all about the little things, it's all about the littlest, finalest details. So they were like, in one of their scripts, they were saying, we want to have a bowl of M&Ms but in the M&Ms, there can be no brown M&Ms. I've heard this. So it's just the things. And they were saying in the contract, it actually says, if there's no M&Ms there, we get fully paid for the concert and we don't do it. (laughs) And the reason they did it though, it wasn't the fact that they wanted it. It was more the fact, I think that they They said- Show the artist cares. Show the artist cares. And also the the promoter cares and show the fact that these people that are bringing us out are like, doing the right thing or something. And I was yeah, like, fuck, yeah. that's actually pretty scary. Like and, imagine and if you didn't read that and they just left. Imagine one yellow. One, one brown one, yeah. <laughs> or just fuck with them, have the brown on top. Like, oh, it's really good guys. And then move, it's all rainbow. Yeah. Like, <laughs> rage, smash guitars. Um, best show seen live at your own festivals. What, what you, you said before, the presets were, were one, uh, Jamie XX. I've got, I've got this weird, not weird, but like, um, it's pretty, it's more of like a, a niche band that we've had, but the band called Chiasmos at pitch. Uh, actually you might know Chiasmos. I see you always sing something. Yeah. They're really beautiful, ambient electronic yeah. kind of soundscapes and two Icelandic dudes. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. One of, one, of, uh, so one of the guys in the group is called Olaf Arnold, who's a really amazing pianist. That's cool. People might have heard of, but yeah. Chiasmos could not recommend them. Either. Yeah. Wow. I think okay. it, 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 there's, like Solomon at the Wool Store, I oh, would say it's one of the. Um, oh, actually, oh, we'll, we'll get into a bit yeah, of the story. Please about get that into that after, one. Yeah. After Solomon, I would say Fatima Yamaha at Pitch Year One, Dennis Salter at Pitch, and too many DJs at Beyond the Valley, who is the two artists from Soul Wax, which is an artist that Mike and I have always wanted to book, but it just Soul hasn't Wax quite on, Soul Wax on the top ten as well. If you don't know yeah. Soul Wax, get on. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Soul Wax are incredible. They're like they kind of hit their peak in two thousand and eight around that whole kind of 
I definitely have seen Daft whole wax, whole wax before. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. They were kind of really popular around that whole Daft Punk cut copy presets. How are you feeling about the Daft Punk news lately? I know you're depressed. Yeah, yeah. 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 For those who don't know, Daft Punk, they've broken, broken up. up. Yeah, yeah. disbanded. Well, dis- yeah. Just finished. Disbanded. I, I still have hope that it's that all was like our childhood. Was, was it was. Daft was. Punk. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. One of, my, one of my favorites. Artists that actually hasn't got a shout out so far, but um, they're just they're just great, great value in terms of everybody fucking loves them. And we've worked with them. They've probably played like four of me on the value so far. Jungle Giants. Yes. They are. And best blokes as well, weren't you saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that, that year at Beyond the Valley, everybody had a, a Jungle Giant story. Everyone was like, oh, I ran into Jungle Giants. Yeah. <laughs> and I hadn't met them at that stage because it was the second Beyond the Valley. And we're New, New Year's Day, sun's rising, and everyone's just having a few beers and whatnot. And everyone's talking about how good blokes the Jungle Giants are. I go, how did you guys all meet the Jungle Giants? And literally, as if like it was just meant to be, this tent zips open. 10 bottles of wine, this guy just strolls over and goes, hey guys, I stole these from the artist area. <laughs> Happy New Year. <laughs> and he doesn't know I'm the owner of the festival. You know? And that's my shout out to Sam. This is the lead singer of the Jungle Giants. He's an absolute legend. We're good friends now. And um, yeah, I was just, I, cause I went over to him and was like, hey mate, um, I'm Mike, I'm a Frodo. Yeah, that, that, that's actually my yeah, wine. That's my yeah. wine. <laughs> <laughs> I actually paid for that. But I love the fact that you didn't know, you just thought that we were yeah. kids up on the hill. Like yeah, you were just yeah, giving yeah. the wine away. So everybody's got a Jungle Giant story. And, Credit to them as well. Look at how well they're doing. They're smashing it. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and having these relationships with these guys and, and girls, these artists, is just it's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It, it's it's nice to form a personal relationship with them, especially like one of my biggest roles for the festival is creative. So working with a stage architect, stage designers, lighting operators, and um, just like the overall creative experience of coming into a festival holistically and working with um, – Rufus two years ago before Beyond the Valley 2019 when they did the countdown Mike and I were um piggybacked their US tour with them because an artist that Mike manages and that our booking agency represents Larsings was their um, main support across the tour so we joined them as kind of like half tour manager but half really just yeah. vacation yeah you, you, you familiar with the last things i am I, i've heard some well uh, through you and your promotion i've definitely given a lot of listen they've debuted on they've debuted their single or album they just, or? They just had we actually just had five sold out album shows at 170 russell so unbelievable yeah, yeah. now we'll definitely give a link to the last things um album in the in the show notes to check that out because i have heard them it's, it's a brother sister duo brother sister duo from the gold coast josh yeah. josh just moved in <laughs> actually after six years of living with phil fun fact yeah for those that don't know that Phil and I also. Live. I don't know how you two from well, literally from just, fifteen, just, you guys just, have like been in each other's pockets. Like, yeah, it's been yeah. That close. Well, it's it's finally fucked. Yeah, <laughs> okay. so, yeah. So Phil, Phil's just moved too. out for the um for the, and um Josh from Lastlings has moved down to Melbourne. So he's moved in with me. So I'm sorry. I feel sorry for him. Strap in, Josh. Yeah. Oh God, I feel sorry for Josh. <laughs> but to, to finish that story off, we we were in America with Rufus, and that's when I was getting a lot of the renders and the CADs forward from um the stage designer for Beyond the Valley's main stage. Um, in 2019, which was this massive, like 60 meter wide stainless steel, um, almost kind of like pyramid that we had built. And it was my favorite stage. It was yeah. We got we'll get a photo of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To uh, show. Like, it, it, does it appear now on the? It's on YouTube. It's just like right here. Right. Okay. Whoa. Cool. Fuck. Here's the stage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Jesus. That, yeah. It's big. Look it's at mad. those poles. Yeah. yeah. There's, There's no, no poles. There's no poles. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what do you but, think? Um, that's just, we feel, were, that just feels erection. <laughs> Rufus played a role in helping us select what design to go for because we had been set like four to five different renditions, and we were sitting there with John from Rufus and going through. He was like, "That one, like, it's not kind of immersive enough." And then, uh, we, like, him and I were b- bouncing back and forth on 
the final result and we sent back to the designer we're like we don't really like any of these and then we were out for dinner um one night in in aspen and um this design came through while I was at dinner via email and John had like a couple of drinks and then I, I, it was on my phone and he came around and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, this is the one. And he came up right behind me and he looked at it and he tapped me on my shoulder and he's like, that's the one. Yeah. Because I remember we, actually they were pretty critical on the one before that. Though, like, the one before that, they just didn't like, like it all. Yeah. They, they've got their niche, don't they? They've got their style. Mm. Like I, I remember in COVID when um, we weren't allowed out of the house, they released, I don't know if they've released it then, but they released this thing on jo- YouTube. Joshua Tree. Joshua it was, Tree, yeah. yeah. Joshua Tree on YouTube. Check that out. It is like, Honestly, you could have two beers and start crying watching that. It's yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It is like so beautiful. And it's great when it, the artists that the artists that really do the best are the artists that own their craft and yeah. are so committed to it. And you know, everyone that we've mentioned, you know, Rufus, Dom Dollar, Jungle Nose, all those people, they're really, really passionate about just creating the best art that they can and, and sharing that with people. Mm, and, um, so good. But I think <laughs> we we touched on this earlier, but just like circling, but there's so many stories. We're, oh, we're mate, going we're around. Exactly. No. So oh, one, one of the other, yeah, yeah, one so of the so other best performances <laughs> yeah. we've seen um, times three was mm. uh, Solomon, who we- So give us reference to Solomon for people that like, most people would know who Solomon is, but is yeah. he, I don't know where he's from. Uh, so is it he's French. He's from. No, he lives. He lives, he lives in, in Germany. In Germany. But he's originally Serbian, yeah. and yeah. he um, he's one of the, if not the, between him, Maceo Plex, and a couple of others, like the la, the the most popular artists in underground electronic music. He does um, some of the most amazing shows. He's done them in like the Coliseum yeah. and like yeah. everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he has. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I know my shit, man. Yeah, you know your shit. Yeah. You know boiler rooms. <laughs> <laughs> so we'd been trying to tour Solomon for like three to four years. It was a competition between us and several other local uh, domestic touring agents here based in Australia. And we finally won the tour. So we got it done. He came over to Australia for two shows. Uh, we, we, paid for, we paid for three shows. So it was Saturday... Friday Sydney Fr- Friday Saturday Sydney. at the Wool Store yeah Saturday at the Wool Store which was and where's that it's this it's in West Footscray it's that was, big wood shit yeah that big uh, it's, factory it's, isn't it's it a, it's, a, it's an old Wool Store that was built in the 1940s it's heritage listed it's four stories high but inside it, it, oh, is it going to appear again yeah fuck <laughs> me look at that building. <laughs> that's a big that's Wool Store that's a big Wool Store um, but it's uh, inside all hollow like all one giant yeah so it was yeah. initially three stories and somewhere along the line the architect had decided to just hold remove it all through the shell. So a twelve meter high ceiling with yeah. uh, it, it's almost like they accidentally had developed this building which was underground rave. Yeah, because set, yeah. like the rigging on the ceiling, well, the beams on the ceiling, like the weight capacity on them could hold like tons of lighting and audio infrastructure so we but walked into mind, this- mind you, even though they're saying we're saying it's built for a rave, we saw that building, we fell in love with it, and we had to get a fit for purpose to have, you know, 5,000 people in there. So we had to replace all the glass, do the roller doors, new fire systems, get rid of this, and the paving outside. And so it was a really, really expensive exercise. And one that we looked at and we go, we're not going to make any money off this party, but it's going to be the best party that Melbourne's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? We, we broke even on it, which is a good result for a venue like that. Yeah. And with an artist as expensive as Solomon, um, the, so yeah, he played at the Warsaw and that was our first show there. We ended up going to do three more after that and it's it's something that will um, you know, keep your ears to the ground. It's definitely something which will reappear somewhere Uh-oh. down the line. Watch this but, space. Um Solomon um yeah, he performed uh, at the wool store for two hours and he wanted to keep going. Um, he's got a, he's got a, a record. track record of like 
it, he's kind of like he gets referenced by, at least by Australians as like the kick on DJ of the marathon DJ marathon DJ plays like five, six, seven hours in like, like Mexico and, you know, Amsterdam and Berlin. And just just to lay out the proceedings. So it's really quick. Please do. Eight to 10 PM headline set, the wall store. Mind you, they made, they sent uh, just a quick Uh, We actually, we did a little, it was, we advertised eight to 10 p.m. but we got EPA and council approval to go to 10 30 oh, so okay we surprised the crowd with an so extra little 30 quick, minutes quick, quick, that, quick yeah. fun facts of that night I went and picked up Solomon because the guy's like oh yeah um you know you can be you can be his liaison for the evening and I picked him up from the airport and I stupidly put him in the front seat of the car and I sat in the back so I didn't have any control of the radio and I'd had Fox FM blaring and so no one changed the radio. So we were driving on the way to the venue, Taylor Swift bearing. I'm in the car with Solomon and his other girl. And as we're looking at the window, it's like, he wears shorts, <laughs> I wear a t-shirt. And I'm like, oh my God, everyone just looking at the window. I'm like, this is off to a terrible start. You know, he was just serious, didn't chat to us or anything. Do you, do you want to talk what? about your introduction to him? Uh, so, also the guys, the guys. So mainly, it was mainly, so this show, it was like, <laughs> we each kind of ha- have that project manage our own shows. And this was one that Mike and I, because we, we were so in love with the building and the artists we were like, you know, we'll come and hear this one. Yeah. So well, come game day, I was like, you go pick him up from the airport and go with the, the transfer. I'll stay here and I'll man the gates and just make sure that like, you know, everything's going to plan. And I'm like, I don't know where the fuck the idea you, came Was from, it Vedran? Was it Vedran? I think, yeah, Vedran. 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 Because he loves Solomon, which will come in later in the story. Solomon, Serbian. Um, Veg is Serbian? Yeah. yeah. And Veg is like, you should greet him in Serbian. Like, you're Macedonian. Oh, God. You know? And <laughs> oh, this is already bad. This is. Don't okay, get tricky. Okay, okay. Make so, him feel okay. like he's at home. So imagine, so imagine veterans, imagine veterans coaching me now. It's like, Kakusi dobro si dobro si Kakusi dobro. And he gets the, the phrase. Jet lands in Melbourne, mind you, private jet as in an airport. I'm waiting by the car. He gets off the jet, you know, typical rolling his suitcase yeah. out. And I go over and I like, shake his hand. I'm like, Kakusi dobro si And he like smiles and like, Pats me on the back and then starts talking German to his tour manager. I go, oh. of course you talk, of course you talk German. You've been living there for the last 15 years. You were, you were born, you were born in Serbia. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, talk Serbia, yeah, but yeah. like it's such a patronizing pat- yeah, it's like, well to done. Then, to then opening the door for him, you get to the front. And Taylor so then, Swift. I wear, so, <laughs> so I'm in the back and I'm like, I'm failing terribly at this. Literally, literally. So that, luckily he plays the most amazing show ever comes off such a high, like literally he comes off and he goes, that was amazing. Let's go to the club. Like, let's just go straight to the club. So eight to 10.30, two and a half hours there. Club, he's meant to go from 12 to five, XC54, the old XC54. He wouldn't get off. So we, we literally, like, to, to <laughs> make sure that we were legally protected, well, not legally protected. We had to, sh- we, we had to close the, the doors. To the bar. And just like to like close the bar, close the doors. So technically we could keep playing music, but we couldn't serve alcohol anymore. Yeah. So it was, like, a, it was like a lock-in essentially. Yeah, it was like a lock-in. And then anyone that left, you just open the door and you close it behind you. But no one was leaving until he was getting off. It got to like 5.30 PM. Or it, got like, to six, it got to 6 AM. Yeah, no, it got to 6, he, he but at 5.30 we his, kind of gave him a, a tap warning and he, he looked kept at us and he's like, this I know the time. He kept, like, he kept, yeah. on, this thing, kept on this thing where he'd allow everyone to clap and he'd do this thing like, yeah, and then everyone will clap and the security and everyone's looking at me like, Mike, Mike. So I had to drag him off and um, uh, some of the, actually it was, it was Sheridan. So yeah, this yeah. is, this is, this is, this is where the story gets really interesting. So 
I go home somewhere between five and six. I'm like, I've had enough. Like I was at the venue, mm -hmm. at the warehouse from like 6 a.m. in the morning. Like we had a bunch of production issues, which I was trying to help tidy up. And I get, I get home and I'm ready to wrap up. I'm like, this is like, it's been like the longest day ever. I get a call from Mike and Mike's just like, it's happening. And then I was like, what do you mean it's happening? He's like, what do you think is happening? How, like, have you seen this guy on YouTube? Have you seen like the, have you, do you know the fucking myth of Solomon at the kick on King? He wants to go to a house. He wants to DJ but and there's an request, army of people here. My request, to my request to you is I go, Phil, how quickly can you get speakers and decks to our house in Fitzroy? And he goes, what's happening? You know what's happening. Right? Yeah. Is Solomon going to come DJ the house? Go, yeah, he wants to DJ. So, so Vedran, our housemate at the time, shout out Vedran for, yeah, uh, for yeah. ruining- Photo of Vedran of here. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you never see this guy. Do you know who, we do, do love Vedran. Do you know who I want to hear from? I, want, I really want to hear from somebody because it was meant to be at my house. We're handing out the address, handing out the address. And then it's like, Literally random people coming up to me, hey, where's the after party? A sixth day party, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, oh fuck, this is a bad idea. And thank God, Vedran so put his- he called, he called, Yeah, so Mike's called me. I've gone downstairs into Vedran's room, who's asleep. And I'm like, he usually gets pissed off when he gets woken up, but Solomon's his favorite DJ in the world. So, hey, maybe this time will be different. So I'm knocking his door, I'm like, hey, Ve Veg, Veg. And he's just like, what? And I was like, look, I'm sorry to wake you up, <laughs> but I feel so, like this is something which could excite you. Um, it's 6.30 so, a.m. Yeah. Solomon wants to DJ here. Before I could finish the word here, he said, absolutely, absolutely fucking not. Not a chance in hell. He's like, Phil, a thousand people will rock up at this house. This is a three-story townhouse. People will fall <laughs> off our balcony. Yeah, he's like, people will die. People it? will die if they he's come He's probably right. Yeah, and and so I had to, I had to feel goes, ain't veterans not allowing it? Are you serious? And uh, there was, shout out to an amazing man, Alex Donnan as well. Yeah, uh, can we appear <laughs> Alex yeah, Donnan's face? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, please have it at my house. And I go, are you, are you serious? He goes, uh, Solomon DJ my house, please. Phil gets in the car, quickly grabs the speakers and the decks and whatever. And out of all things that became iconic for this night is- uh, I'll, t I'll take over from here. I'm sorry, you were talking well, but like I was physically the one at Donnan's house setting this up. So I found speakers, I found two CDJs and a, and a, a DJM 900 mixer. For those who DJ, they know, you know what that is. And yes. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Um, there was like, I, I, got, I got to his house and I-, I like didn't bring a table on purpose because I'm like, surely anyone uh, that would have a table. Uh, home has a dining room table or just a table in general. He doesn't have a table. He's got like a coffee table, impossible. A couple of like little, like, you know, knee high kind of tables in his backyard and that was it. And I'm like, fuck, he's 15 minutes away. Everything's plugged in and ready to go. I just need to pick it up and put it on something. And then I look in the corner of the room and I see an ironing board. <laughs> And I look at Don and Don looks at me and I'm like, it's the ironing board. And he's like, I don't think that's very safe. And I was like, we don't have any other choice. <laughs> so I go grab the ironing board and just like open it up, put it down, put the decks on it. And I just kind of like, you know, when you oh, press your sweet. weight on yeah, something yeah, just yeah. to make sure that it's going to be okay. And it just like made a couple of creaking noises. And I was like, you know what? If it collapses, it's part of the story. Yeah, it shouldn't yeah, really yeah. be playing here anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> who I want to hear from is we changed the address up on the night. We're like, all right, quick new address, Carlton. I want to hear from anybody that rocked up <laughs> to your house. To Road Street Fitzroy <laughs> and, <laughs> and woke veteran that night because he kept the doorbell. 
So many out. No. So many out. So <laughs> the the funniest thought is Vedran walking out in his undies, like yeah. scratching his eyes, like, no, he's not fucking here. <laughs> uh, but we end up rocking up there and it started off like cause the because the address changed, it started off really tame. You know, 20, 30 people. Someone puts it on Instagram, Solomon DJing Sunrise, 50 people, a hundred people. Suddenly you can't move in the house. You can't get through the hallway at the front door because everybody's rocking up. And um, our friend's parents drive past and they're like, Alex, no, mind you, let's just put it in perspective. 8 to 10.30 p.m. the night before, 12 to 6 in the, in the morning at the club. He starts DJing at 7.30 at the, on, the, on the ironing board. He finished up DJing at 7 p.m. that night, so did a full 12-hour stint. He went to the bathroom like once. Like he's a fucking How machine. his legs get yeah. so sore standing uh, up? He just, he's a machine. He's a machine. machine. And, and it was literally at the point where I mean, it was when talking about great performances. This is what this came off of. It was a fucking great DJ set as well. Yeah, it was like it was really, it, really that good. morning was amazing, and people kept seeing it on Instagram. And there was this whole thing. I speak to a lot of people, and they're like, "Oh, I saw it," and I was like, "Oh, it's gonna be over soon. I won't go. It's not gonna be over soon." And then at like six p.m., and it's still going. I'm like, "What?" Um, but our friend's parents drove past his house. Are they living at the house too? No, 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 no. So they they, they lived nearby, but we had just found some like guy that we're friends with to, to man the front door. We're oh. like, all right, we're at 150 people. This is ridiculous. Like you, you cannot let anyone else in. And then we said someone else had promoters like, you know, oh, what are yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got basically got like, uh, you know, a temporary security guard at the front door. This kid's like, yep, I'm on it. I've got it. It's a big moment. So he's like standing at the front door and there's like people rock up. He's like, nah, mate, not tonight. Nah, not tonight. Nah, <laughs> just fucking knocking people left, back, right, left, right and center. And then he comes up to Mike and I and we're on the dance floor and he's like, hey guys, I got to talk to you about something like and we told you can't let anyone in i'm sorry if you've got a friend outside he's like no no no, you don't understand come with me and i look down the hallway and there's a guy there with a bouquet of flowers and then i walk up to him and he's like there's a queue of people behind him and he's like is it true is he here and then i was like did you, you went and bought those for this and then he's like yes i need to give him these flowers and i was like all right, well, I guess we have to let you in because you've just gone and bought oh a bouquet of flowers. So, so if you're going to cut to one thing, it's uh, this video went viral on Mr. After Party. It's sitting on like 20 million views at the moment. So Solomon's about to drop a thing. The guy gets brought to the front of the crowd, gives him the flowers. Solomon's head goes down. He kisses Solomon on the head. And Solomon gets the flowers on the drop and just starts chucking him in the air. This is, this is on- and Miss, someone filmed on their phone, sent it to Mr. After Party. And, the, and literally the caption is, Solomon DJs for 10 hours on an ironing board in Melbourne, Australia. <laughs> and it's on 20 million views at the moment. It was like, it went down as- um, We'll get that video up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was also that night. Um, Cause before that we were, you know, we'd run Beyond the Valley. We'd launched Pitch Vessel. We'd done Grapevine. We were looking at our business as a, as a whole in terms of what, what are new products that we can develop for our market that aren't gonna cannibalize one another? So Beyond the Valley is our big New Year's Eve camping event. Pitch is a more European inspired counterpart, electronic focus, grapevine, wine festival for the love, very, you know, beachside boutique. And we're like, we were developing all these new kind of products, but we didn't actually have a banner or a name. Um, and that was at that Solomon party was the first event that we ran as Untitled. That was the launch. So party. that's when you started the whole group. That was when we started Untitled because everyone said, "What? We need a name for you guys. We're yeah. like, what are we going to call you? You need a name. You need a sick name. name. You've done that's well. You've got to be happy untitled, with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Unbelievable. Tell me, we look, honestly, I hope you guys got more time because I don't want to finish anytime soon. Rap battle. Um, 
rap battle you toured with Wu Tang Clan. I've, I've heard <laughs> some story, Mark. I thought you, you were going to make me a rap battle now. No, I've known this that you have a special talent. I'm not going to put you on the spot now, but you are incredibly good at this. But what's his story with with Wu Tang Clan and and touring with them? Before before he begins the story, I can like I, I I can vouch for that. Mike does have an amazing talent at freestyling, spitting bars, which is so funny for a guy as white as him. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit. I'm drunk and like on tour with the Wu Tang Clan. Yeah, it just gets like. So uh, is it true you beat one of them in a rap battle? Close to He held his own So what actually happened was The two supports for that tour were Ivan Ooze and Nico Ghost uh, Nico Ghost, the uh, rapper that I managed at the time And um, and Ivan is managed by uh, Nick Recker One of our, um, our business partner I remember meeting him in Sydney with you Remember? Ivan? Ivan, I yeah. was up there in Sydney with yeah, so, you one night so, and so we, he was there. We had this like kind of like rap battle backstage. And I don't want to claim to beat the Wu-Tang Clan in rap battle because like then it'll be like, oh, beat magazine or something. Like, cool, promoter or claim. Then yeah, you don't want to get too famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I did beat, I did smoke you, Ivan. But probably one of the funniest things that happened that that trip was, um, you know, touring around with that many people, logistics and everything like that. And um, there was a bit of an incident with like the hotel room keys getting mixed up. Um, and obviously, you know, like the Wu-Tang Clan, um, one of the best experiences, they were the loveliest guys. The shows were amazing. And instead of hiring tour managers, we tour managed a few of them each. So Nick took like uh, Ghostface Killer, I took Inspector Deck, Phil took RZA. And we just like kind of like, yeah, what do you guys want to do? Like, how do you want to take them around? And um, there was this incident where I gave uh, Inspector Deck the, like we explained the wrong hotel room thing. Uh, to master Killer. Oh no! Yeah, sorry, it was Musk. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. That's why I got I got the that's right because I got the I got the rooms confused. Gave the wrong room keys and I gave him one of Nico's room keys. And there was this moment where we were all asleep in our rooms and you just hear like in in the hallway, like, "What are you doing, in my room?" <laughs> and then and then we come out into the hallway and I can confirm the entire Wu Tang Clan in their pajamas with Nico and everyone's going, "What's going on? Is this my room?" No, 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 no! You got the rooms confused. That's this, that. And we kind of had to like simmer that whole thing. Um, but in, in the end, it was a successful tour and um, everyone was happy. And um, yeah, hopefully that's another artist we hope to have back one day soon. Mm. Definitely, you've both um, won some awesome awards. Phil, you got acknowledged for the work with Ability Fest you've done. Talk us a th- bit through that. And I know, Mike, you've been acknowledged with a Richmond Richard Branson type of, of award uh, as well. So I want to hear both about these, Phil, firstly, with Ability Fest, well, which uh, is obviously, if you've heard Dylan Alcott's podcast, as I'm sure you have, is is one of the most unbelievable festivals to date. It's got accessibility for, for anyone that with, with a disability and, and um, doing incredible things. Yeah, yeah. So Ability Fest is, well, I guess, credit to like all of us as team and the Dylan Alcott Foundation, all of our employees and my partners and stuff. But um, yeah, it was just through hanging out with Dylan at parties and stuff. And he was like, I want to start Australia's first all-inclusive festival. Um, and I want all you know the money to go to my foundation, the Dylan Alcott Foundation, who are doing amazing things. Um, basically, the, the way that it all works, and we got um, I got recognized by the National, National Disability Insurance Scheme in, um, in an interview um, during the festival. And um we uh just bring in a lot of infrastructure for people of all abilities so auslan interpreters um scaffold structures that you know for wheelchair access mm. um a lot of accessible toilets uh there's like the the mother of accessible toilets called a marvelu it's like this big shipping container converted um bathroom which um 
has like a whole bunch of facilities in it that we got. We had a sensory room that ANZ, um, we did a commercial partnership with um, for people that, um, you know, had uh, like sensory disabilities and um, needed a quiet place effectively. So it was, it was um, yeah, we also had uh, guide dogs there as puppies that people could go and, and pat and stuff and, in an area huge. that was away from the music and stuff. And yeah, we're, we're very proud of Ability Fest. It's kind of, we've had a few uh, charity initiatives as part of our process of growing as a company that we're very passionate about. And we're proud to say that we've raised over half a million dollars massive, um, for that foundation, so which, is, which is great because it goes towards young Australians of all abilities who may require infrastructure or education around, you know. Um, I think even just from chatting to Dylan, like the, the about Ability Fest is just the awareness around it. Like mm. you just being an able-bodied person, selfishly, you don't, understand what uh, someone with a disability has to, to go 100%. through to, to enjoy, you know, and to have fun. And, and he tells an incredible story about a guy that, you know, said that was the best day of his life. And yeah. like that is just fucked. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Guy, I went through a, a that guy, Luke, um, I went through a, a heavy uh, gaming phase when I was 16. Yeah. And uh, Luke was like my gaming buddy when like, we were playing Xbox back in, uh, in Bundura. And, um, and seeing him at the event, I'm like, I haven't seen him. Like, hey, what are you doing? He's like, man, he was sipping asahis. Yeah. And I was like, he just had had the best day of his life. But I think probably the best thing about, my favorite thing about Ability Fest is, you know, credit to Phil. He does a lot of work on the infrastructure to making sure everyone's catered for. But the viewing platforms that we have, the sensory, everything, it's not for, oh, this is for people that might have a disability. It's, it, everyone can it's, enjoy it's everyone. it. Yeah. So my family's up there with everyone and everyone's mingling and mixing. And it's, it's just a fully inclusive festival. Yeah. And it's just... It's just well, hopefully, you know, what the future should be and, and, and how we should have integrate into all events. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes it's not commercially viable, but um, it, it's a really good step in the right direction. Something we hope to, you know, use uh, as a leader um, globally. Awesome, man. And how did you become friends with Richard Branson? He <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, calls him Rich. Richard. Yeah, Dick. Yeah, Richard. Richard. Dicky. Yeah, Dick. um, no, Dick Rich. No, there's this um, Rich mating or organization called Igniting Change, um, headed up by uh, a great lady called Jane Tewson here in Melbourne. Um, they do a lot, a lot of work. Uh, yeah, definitely look up Igniting Change. And they, they're a intentionally small charity, so they work with um, macro change on a micro scale. So changing one life or one group of thing at a time. And then that goes on to help other people or not. And um, um, I've been doing a bit of work with their, uh, they've got a, a great place called PCY Scenes and Kilda and their Music mm-hmm. for Youth program and whatnot. And look, long story short, um, one day Jane just pulls me in and has a chat to me and goes, we're running a summit, it's called Igniting Wonder on Necker Island, which is Richard Branson's island. And I'm looking at the guest list and I, I really think that you'd be a great guest and we'd like to invite you. And I grew up reading Richard Branson's books. He's actually what got me into, you know, that first entrepreneurial. Yeah. Bit, yeah. And I'm like, this is, this is not real life. Like this is, this is sure. This is joking. And, um, you know, fast forward to March last year and, um, yeah, I got some, got to spend some amazing time with him. You know, uh, it was so funny. We went on this bike ride where he's like, Oh, who wants to come on my morning bike ride this morning? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've got no ACL in my knee. My knee's fucked. I haven't ridden a bike in years. Come on, have, to, have, to, have, 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 have to warn you, it is a 20 K is all uphill. Like, you know, it's intense. <laughs> I was going to cry before I did. I was talking to my partner, Erica, and I was like, um, I was like, I was like, I don't, shouldn't go on. I shouldn't go. I'm going to be a failure. I'm going to do this. And she's like, it's going to be fine. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Well, lucky they had one of those trail cars following us that yeah. you, could, you could stop at any time. <laughs> so everyone got way ahead and I just got on the car the whole the whole race. <laughs> got off at the end of it, pedaled for the last hundred. And it was like, yeah, great job. But um, yeah, I got to spend some time not only with Richard, but some amazing um, entrepreneurs that are 
doing a lot of philanthropic work and just a lot of, yeah, like the people that, were, that we met um, were just great people. Bjark Ingalls is like an architect building the first building on the moon at the moment. Yep. Um, just just doing all these crazy things that are real leaders in their field. And I was honored to kind of come and talk about the challenges that we face in the music industry and, you know, things like drug policy, which, um, and a lot of talk around climate action and um, climate policy here yeah, in Australia. Sustainability. Sustainability, which is, well. which is something that we're, um, we're passionate about and something we're going to be launching you know, later this year. You know, keep your eyes peeled. We've got a few, I mean, one of the greatest things about Untitled and, um, why I was really honored again to to spend some time with Richard and those people because we uh, have a big voice within the youth community. Mm. And if we are starting all these events and every year people are coming through, we've got a change, uh, a, a, an, an opportunity to drive social change, which I think is really important yeah. um, and what corporations really should be doing because, you know, corporations, particularly the big ones and whatnot, they've got the, the real power to do that. And I feel like that's what we got to really be driving um, and particularly with like climate action and green initiatives and something that we'll be announcing later this year, which is really exciting. 100%, man. You guys are doing some incredible things. Like you think about the surface level of, 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 of festivals is, is where you got your, your game, but like Beyond the Valley Pitch, Wildlands, Grapevine, which is, is coming up shortly for the Love and Ability Fest. But as you said, you're turning Untitled Group more into an independent support for artists and change and all these things. Like what's what's next for Untitled Group? Um, you've just touched on it then, but it's it's not just gonna be in this in this um, festival arena, is it? It's 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 everything. It's supporting yeah. artists and also change in, in young people. Well, I'll, I'll let Mike speak on some of the um, initiatives that we've jumped on board with outside of music, um, but uh, some kind of uh, stuff which kind of vertically integrates into our business quite seamlessly. Um, our, we've got a booking agency, which we launched this year, which, um, uh, has been super successful and a record label and a management arm of the company. And that's all just kind of aimed around fostering talent and um, finding emerging developing talent and, you know, um, building them and using the resources that we have mm. to help them record music, perform in front, in front of the live or like the right audiences and stuff. But outside of that, and um, I know like COVID's a pretty tired discussion topic, but we um, last year we got pretty busy in a few other areas while we couldn't run festivals um and yeah mike yeah. had a, a great great deal of work yeah um, we, we kind of just looked at like if we can't run events and whatnot what are the other little areas that we can help in um then some good companies that we just happen to be around and, and invested in and whatnot there's this amazing one if you're in a cafe or a restaurant there's mr yum you might have seen is that you oh no we we it's it's a friend of ours that um that built it up um we we invested in it during covid wow um, yeah i said everywhere man mr yum that's like what you order all your drinks and food off at bars uh, the greatest thing is that so because of the qr it's so simple people were ordering off the menu it should have been the way we've been doing things for years because well, mm. people were ordering um through instagram they're looking at photos and going oh i want that i want that so they put the QR code on the menu and what they noticed was as people scan the QR code and the, the, the picture menu pops up, the average order was going up by 20 to 30% wow. because people aren't rushed to order and whatnot. So it's such a simple initiative and just changing the way the future is. And now they're over in the US and taking off through the US. So that's a great company. We launched a uh, fitness brand called 20V. Heard of this. That's yeah, why you guys are looking so freaking handsome yeah, right I now. I was waiting for you to mention God, that. Yeah, I can't yeah. even. I can't even right now. Yeah. Thanks, man. I can't even. If anybody's here heard of like EMS, electromuscular simulation. I don't reckon they would have, but explain it. 
Well, mate, okay, so because it's, it's the, the quite tag, intricate, the isn't it? It's a new yeah, fitness well, the tagline. Or well, in Europe, it's everywhere. Yeah, uh, everyone's going crazy there. Um, but in you know, it's very new here in Australia, yeah. and everyone's going crazy over it because the tagline is twenty minutes in the gym. Twenty minutes equals four hours in the gym. So good. Or twenty minutes there equals ninety minutes of hit workout, which is, I you know, people see that and they go, "That's just a gimmick tagline." No, no joke. Twenty minutes there, uh, and the reason being is because when you uh, traditional weight training, it's weight bearing. You're using a weight to oppose your uh, contraction of your muscle and that's what tears the muscle or not. Uh, with EMS, you're using uh, a current that you get your baseline reading and the current makes your muscle contract. And when you're doing movements that oppose that contraction and whatnot, you're, you're tearing the muscle fiber essentially. Yep. So instead of doing, oh, I'm going to do biceps for 10 minutes, I'm going to do legs for 10 minutes, I'm going to do chest for 10 minutes. It's like doing bicep curls, triceps, abs, at squats. Once. And or, cardio. Uh, at once, at cardio. Four seconds on, four seconds off, four seconds on, four seconds off for 20 minutes straight. And everybody sees it and they go, you guys are cheating. You're I'm just, coming. Yeah, yeah, you got to come down, mate. Where's the, where's the studio at the moment? Uh, first one's in Paran, so yep. 20V in Paran. Um, but we've got uh, one opening up soon um, over the South Melbourne, Port Melbourne area. Love it. And then there's going to be a few Northside and then some in Sydney. Oh, and Gold Coast. We've got one um, in the Gold Coast at the moment in Brooklyn. And you guys are fucked, honestly. I actually fuck off. Like you, just, <laughs> you just do too much cool shit. Like what is there anything else that what what else is on the horizon? Like I, I genuinely any, think anything, you're doing everything. Anything that we the, anything that we're kind of involved in though is stuff that we've seen and gone that makes sense. Yeah, like that should more people should be doing that. Like we really do back the EMS training stuff. Mm. Um, you know, there's a few companies doing it. We've kind of bought the highest grade machines and got the really good trainers or not for 20V. Um, so Mr. Yum, that stuff. Um, there's some other kind of uh, things that we do with our business. Um, Muso, Muso, good one. Yeah. yeah which is kind of a, a similar platform to what Fire Festival used to, well, didn't do right. Muso is kind of doing the way. Right. Yeah, 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 if, yeah. You're, if you're an independent, if you're an, like an up and coming musician and you want to look to be at gigs at venues, because most gig bookings don't happen at concert venues like the Forum or I think they all happen at pubs, birthdays, North pubs. Social. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's just a good platform for venues and artists to alike to, to kind of find each other. But in terms of like the more untitled stuff, um, we have been focusing a lot of our energy and attention towards um, doing smaller shows at the moment. We did a few shows with the Art Center at the Sydney Maya Music Bowl, yep. um, one with Running Touch and one with a festival um, that we run called Sun Cycle. Um, outside of that, we've, um, yeah, just been, it, it's been kind of um, week by week at the moment in terms of the class. bouncing back from, from everything as well. I suppose, yeah. Building it up. Because you've got Grapevine coming up when? Grapevine is coming up October. in October. And inspired, unemployed hosting. Yeah, yeah they're so going to be hosting. They're going to be huge. DJing. They're going to be um Yeah, they're, we spoke to those guys. Uh, we, uh, we went up to Sydney and um, chatted about, like, you know, what's it going to be like the hosting and figuring out the DJ sets. They're super excited. And, um, you know, we, we got onto that when they were taking off during COVID. You know, they only had a couple hundred thousand, tens of Huge. thousand followers. And, and now look at them. And I hope you locked they, them in earlier than when they uh, were on one million. <laughs> we, 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 we started negotiating it early, <laughs> but oh, by the time, it, yeah. Damn. But um, it's, um, but yeah, Grapevine's going to be a big moment. When, that, when can we actually, like, just like, I'm not even plugging this, but I'm keen as fuck. When can we actually get tickets for that? They're Are they available? Out. It's all great. Fantastic. Great, great wine. Um, Can I just call you like I used to? Yeah, yeah, just call you out the front. We'll come outside. We'll give you a fucking a, a wristband. <laughs> right now, um, great. So, great wine's done and dusted for October. Yep. Um, we've got for the love festival on sale still in the moment in Queensland and Perth. Um, still some tickets on that, but 
I think we're gearing up now for the big New Year's festivals, which is, you know, Beyond the Valley. BTV, yeah. And whatnot. But um, I think the best thing is just if you're interested in those events, I think just staying up to date with like uh, uh, with us on Instagram and being part of our mail. Untitled list. group? Yeah, untitled group. And you can yeah. get on the mailing list and just be on it all. Yeah, yeah. But in terms of, it's been kind of nice um, to kind of grease the wheels again, running these smaller events. We've been doing a lot of shows at the Timmy Yard and- have you seen those, uh, those events? Uh, I will remember we spoke earlier about not answering my calls for the last five years. Uh, I've sort of been trying to get to a few. Uh, we've, but been, I just, we, we've been in the party just Yeah, like, no, yeah, I'm, yeah, I've yeah. been out the front uh, calling with no answer. It was really so good inside. It's good. This, this podcast actually wasn't to toy story. It was just like just to rekindle again. Uh, yeah. friendship. <laughs> hopefully, get it, hopefully get you answering my calls. You said this was lunch. <laughs> yeah, it was meant to be lunch. I mean, Mike said, let's get lunch. And I was like, well, fuck, I'm probably a doubt to not see me in for another six years. So maybe let's just do the podcast first yeah. over, over lunch. Well, actually, um, you know what? I, I said to Phil, because I was like, fuck, Dill, Dill grill me. And I was like, I was like, because obviously- I'm at the club every week. I'm at the event every week. You know where to find me. Come down. Yeah, that's true. No, it is true. No, it's both ways, but it's definitely both ways. But I was like, you know what? I know how busy I am these days. I know how busy everyone is. I know how busy you guys are. But I was like, I, one thing that I've been really big on this year is like being present. I'm trying to be better at like with my relationships. And I was like, I've known these two guys for so long that I can't afford to just like let good friendships not catch and up and like not that our friendship was oh, ever no. going to leave that, but I was like that's we, why, that's we catch up you, today that's it's why the same. you called me up I was like you're like mother oh, yeah sorry, we're, we're oh I had a go I was like yeah. man fuck yeah. you yeah. you owe me an apology yeah, you owe me an apology you know what's so great is that we reference like you know we sold a few stories about suede and things like that 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 under 15s that like that football team and that that was genuinely the formation of a, it was, lot, of, a lot of things that yeah it's kind of, it, it, it was such a like a tight bond and friendship group that like you bump into anyone nowadays that was within that footy club like Alex Miles mm. Andrew Skoulos I love bumping uh, into Andy Brock Hal G-Boy yeah G-Boy Gabe it's, Hamilton yeah it's, it's it's incredible man and like just to you know even when I tell my mates like I know these guys and they're like no you don't I'm like well I actually do like it's you know it's crazy <laughs> but nah man you guys um, honestly you know I, I couldn't honestly as a friend just be prouder of what you've done um, not just proud but like fucking you give me so much motivation to just like not just do my thing, but I think even the listeners, like they're going to walk out today of listening to this hour and a half chat and just be like, fuck it, why can't I do this? And that's like the biggest message that I want to send to people is like, I'm not doing fucking anything, but like I am because I just do it. Yeah. And, and you guys were like the pioneers of that. You just fucking do shit. And I think that's the biggest message that any young person or old person, anytime, just go probably, for it. Probably one of the biggest things to take from that whole just doing it mentality, not to quote like Nike or anything. Yeah. <laughs> Um, one Can we make the Nike logo up here? <laughs> <laughs> um, is that, yeah, we were scared. And yeah, it's that it's that initial step of action. People scared of failure that makes them stop. And one of the biggest things that um, I think is great was people that were older people that were mentors or helped us that were just in the industry with no commercial gain mm. or anything from that just were happy to talk to a bunch of young kids starting up a festival and had no ulterior agendas or motives. And we like to think that we are now starting to do that with a lot of young promoters and artists and stuff coming through, empowering them. Like, if you want to get into events or if you want to do that, like, you know, take the right avenues, take the right mean, drop someone a nice note and say, hey, can I get your email address? I'd like to send you a message. You know, find someone on Instagram and drop them a message and mm. say, hey, mm. um, don't be afraid to put yourself out there because ultimately the worst thing that can happen is if someone else just wants to ignore you or be a dick about it, you know, that's that's on them. But, um, we, you know, we, we really love seeing people that are, open and ambitious and like, oh, I wanted to do this or that. And um, it's great just seeing a lot of friends like yourself doing doing great 
great things and putting themselves out there and um yeah and at the core of it just passion like you know you're passionate about yeah this and 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 you could feel it and it's uh it's been a great great chat dude yeah, yeah. It's absolutely awesome man nah guys thanks so much um as i said earlier it's 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 fantastic nearly tear in my eye bringing it back all the incredible memories and, and as i said i can't further and more how proud i am of, of both of you and what you've been able to achieve and, and big big things to come still so not only dominating but you're having a massive impact on a lot of people so can't thank you enough um for coming in and um let's not wait too long between drinks no, 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 no. i think <laughs> at this rate with the stories as well i think we'll probably got i think we've got a few do, more do, that we, yeah dylan friends will be probably number one podcast yeah. the world already is and again that shows you that you don't know anything about my it's life number one, number one podcast in sports i was <laughs> yeah. gonna say congratulations yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, i've actually been paying attention to I that just, yeah. I, just I watched said, the dylan Alcott one you don't know shit about dylan friends thank you yeah, very much. i just yeah. said i just said number one in the world i know it's number one in sports thank you very much congratulations <laughs> on that deal yeah, he told you that <laughs> It's fine. I love you both. I love you both. No matter what. Love you, dude. We've been through too much. And um, let's go of a bloke in a barbie. Done. Cheers. Thanks, mate. If that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends. Or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review, or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.